Good morning. I'm not going to sing, so I'm going to move these out of the way. Good to see everybody. Uh, glad you made it out this morning, brave the cold and the weather. And those of you that uh, couldn't make it out and are watching online, I want to welcome you too. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Good to be together in whatever way we can be together these days. Uh, it seems like we just got to work at it. Got to make it uh, an effort to be together somehow and sharing common our uh, faith in the Lord. And uh, we want to continue our series in Transform today. And we began this new series last week. And really, I hope this will transform your life this year. No matter what comes your way, no matter what we face. And we're looking at some very important areas of our life. And our key verse is this, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. What an amazing, important verse, and I want that to be your sort of life verse this year. Don't conform to whatever the world throws your way, whatever you see out there happening, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we have to do this almost daily, you know. Got to make sure that we're on our guard and doing this daily. Transformation we said this last week, starts on the inside. So many, many of us start off the new year with goals and things like that, and it's good to have goals. It's good to have something to work towards. But unless you are transformed on the inside first, usually those goals don't happen. You, don't, you, know, you know, you don't meet those things. Last week, we looked at our spiritual lives and you know how most of us want to improve that and grow in that, and we talked about how to grow closer to God. If you missed that, wow, just a really good uh good message last week, and it really helped me out a lot. I hope it helped you too. This week, we're going to look at our physical lives, okay? Who's ready? It's not going to be the sermon you think it's, it is, right? We all want to get in shape and exercise more, right, and um, do the 10-minute abs and all that, um, but I want to talk about stress, all right, stress, and uh, you know, stress affects so many parts of your life. And it also affects you physically. No, we don't really think about that, but it does. It does. And if you can deal with stress, look, you can deal with a lot of things in your life, and including uh, your physical body. Is anybody stressed out today? That's a rhetorical uh, question, right? I mean, I sort of know the answer because I see you, I talk to you, I, you know, everybody is, is stressed out. And, uh, and here's the thing. Here's what blows me away. Kids are stressed out. Does anybody ever remember a time when kids were stressed out? You know, usually they're the carefree ones. They're the ones that, you know, just live in life to the fullest, right? But no, I see my kids stressed out. Um, when I was growing up, there was a show called Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, right? And and this guy would come in from the world through this through this door uh, through the craziness of the world, and magically the stress would just like disappear, right? I mean, he's the only guy I know that could come in and just change cardigans really fast while singing and, and change shoes too. And now, you know, amazing. We need a Mr. Rogers today, don't we? Just somebody just to talk, oh, man, just sing to me, Mr. Rogers. Just sing. Just make, make life easier for me. Um, stress is bad. It takes a toll on your body. Look, Stress will take away from your life. And um, realistically, you could actually lose your life because of stress. 
On the other hand, if you deal with stress and you deal with it the right way, look, this isn't the Holy Grail formula here, but if you deal with stress, you will add to your life. I, I promise you that. And Scripture teaches us just that. Look at these, uh, this verse here, Proverbs 14.30. I've got two translations here because I wanted you to see both. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. So if you've got peace on the inside of your heart, in other words, if you don't allow stress to affect you, your body, it's going gonna, it's gonna to translate to your body. Your body is going to be healthy. I like the Christian Standard Bible translation. A tranquil heart is life to the body. It's life. A, a tranquil heart, a peaceful heart, a heart that is less stressed, it breathes life into your body. So the less stress we have, the better our lives will be. I want to talk to you today, and just look, give me 30 minutes. Some of you are like, what? <laughs> about 15. Look, give me about 30 minutes, and today will change your life, if you will let it. Does that, does that sound good? Just get, we'll, we'll go through this fast as I can, but just give me your attention for about 30 minutes. I want to talk to you about how we can go from being stressed to being blessed. Does that sound kind of cool? From being stressed to being blessed. And we're going to look at Psalm 23 today. Almost all of you are familiar with this section of Scripture, one of the most famous, beloved passages in all of Scripture. And we're going to talk about seven things that we can learn to help us deal with stress, okay? First of all, um, we need to understand this, that God will meet your needs. God's going to meet your needs. He will. All of us worry about things. All of us do at some point in time. We worry about food, we worry about our homes, we worry about our jobs, we worry about providing, we worry about just our lives in, in general, but we need to understand what the scripture teaches us is that God will meet your needs. You know, there's nothing wrong with being concerned, there's nothing wrong with having a good plan in place, there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, wanting to, to do things for you and your family, but look, when it gets to a point where it's causing you stress, you let it go too far. You've let it go on too far. Psalm 23, 1 says this, The Lord is my shepherd, and I lack nothing. And I love how this starts out. Um, David gives us this visualization here of a shepherd and sheep. And shepherds provided for their sheep. Look, they were totally and completely dependent upon the shepherd. And David said, look, the Lord is my shepherd. Do you see how he sort of took ownership there of that truth? And that's what I want you to do. The Lord is, is my shepherd. And if the Lord is my shepherd, look, I will not lack anything. You know, if the Lord is your shepherd, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You know, sometimes you just need to repeat this over and over again. When you get to a place where you're worried about things, where it's causing you stress, no, the Lord is my shepherd. He's mine. He's my shepherd. And I'm not going to lack anything. He's going to take care of me. You know, God is a giver. God is a giving God. He's a provider. He will take care of you. Why? How do we know this? Well, he loves you. He loves you. And what do you do for somebody that you love? You give. You take care of them. Look at Romans 8.32. I want you to understand this this morning. This is how much God loves you. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Do you see that there? 
All right, so the logic is this. If God will give his son to die for me, what makes me think that he won't give me everything else? You see, he's already given you your greatest need. He's already met that. He's already met it. He's already gave it to you freely. Look, if he did that for you, don't you think he'll take care of everything else for you too? You know, we got to think that way. The Lord is is my shepherd. I will not be in need. If we just get that simple fact this morning, some of you, that'll take a huge stress load off of you, okay? Second thing is we need to obey God's command to rest. We need to obey God's command to rest. So much stress in your life comes from you not resting. Just It's just that simple. You're overworked. You're overextended. You're trying to do too many things at one time. And you just keep adding, 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 adding to your plate. You know, I don't take this the wrong way, but I see it almost every week. I see you come in here and, uh, you know, bloodshot eyes and you're tired and some of you nod off, okay? And, and I used to, like, think it was me. Am I boring? Look, am I boring? Do I put people to sleep, right? But the truth is it's not me, it's you. It's you. You're coming in here not rested, folks. You know? Um, you got to make sure you rest. Why? Look at Psalm 23, too. He makes me lie down. Right? You know, sometimes God will make you lie down. If you don't make time to rest, God will make you. And some of you have been there and have learned this lesson the hard way. You've crashed. You've burnt out. You've given up, right? You just couldn't go on anymore. It's because you did not obey God's command to rest, to rest. You have to. You need to. We were created to rest. You know, back in Genesis, God created everything. Six days on the seventh day, he rested. Not because he was tired or not because he needed to, but he was showing us what we needed to do in our own lives. You know, um, if you're not rested, you can't be your best. You cannot be your best without rest. It will affect your ministry, right? All Christians are supposed to have some sort of ministry going on, personal ministry. It will affect that tremendously. It will affect your occupation. When you're going into work every day just wore out, exhausted, you're not going to be as productive or effective. It will affect your relationships. It will affect your marriages. It will affect your, the, your relationship with your children Look, you will, that's why some of you are so angry all the time, right? You're just, and you don't know why. You're just mad all the time. And people are like, why are you so mad all the time? I don't know. Just, could it be that you're not resting? You know, you're not taking the time to rest. That's not the way God wants you to live, folks. That's, that's exactly why he created that day, so that you could be your best. In order to do it, you have to rest, though. Um, we need to understand one thing, very important, all right? Uh, this isn't a guideline, okay? It's not a, well, do it if, if you feel like it. It's, it's not a best practice, all right? It's a command. It, it's, a, it's actually a, a command in, in the Bible. It's, as a matter of fact, it made God's top ten list. I mean, you, you only put like the, the most important commands in the top ten, right? Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. 
Look at Exodus 16, 23. This is Moses conveying this message, the Lord's message to the people. He told them, this is what the Lord commanded. It's a command. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. You see there, it's a command. You know, we, we here in America, we treat it as just optional, you know. Do it if you can. It's all right. If you can't, no big deal. No. No. That's why your life isn't to the fullest is because you're living in disobedience. You're not obeying God's command to rest. Let me ask you this. Are you resting? Are you resting? You might say, well, yeah, I mean, I'll take a day off every now and then. No, no, no. See what the scripture says here? Completely. You know, you might take a day off, but are you resting completely? I like what it says there about setting something aside. What do you need to set aside to rest completely? You know, when, you, when you're resting, are you still working on your computer? Are you still checking email? Are you just like focused on social media, right? No, 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 no. Com- complete rest is what God wants for you so that you can be your best. Maybe you need to turn the phone off. Maybe you need to turn your computer off. You definitely need to turn the TV off, amen? Don't watch any news, any of it, because it's not news. It's not news. You, you, it's the same thing over and over again. It'll just wear you out. You, you need to com- complete rest where you can just allow God to just minister and, and recharge and refresh your soul, okay? Which leads us to the next thing. You need to make sure that you're taking time to refresh your soul, okay? To refresh your soul. There's so much ugliness in the world today. There's so much bitterness and hatred in the world today. If you spend an hour watching the news or being on social media, you could easily start to get depressed. It's, it's just bad food for your soul out there. And you need to combat it with good food for your soul. Um, good things. I like Psalm 23, too. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And look, he refreshes my soul from that. It's very important that you take time to refresh your soul. I love this here because we can... I'm good, but I like pictures, don't you? I like books with pictures in them. This is sort of a book with a picture in it. It makes you think. All right, green pastures, man. Uh, you know, I, in Tazewell, there's a few of these areas that are just, whoa, just beautiful. And like, I literally would like to go over there and lay down in the grass. <laughs> I mean, sometimes that's how tired I get. Like, that looks so peaceful. I, I want to go over there and lay down, or I want to walk on that barefooted. I bet that would feel good, you know. The, the quiet waters, the still waters, you know, that's just so peaceful, so so tranquil. And look, I know we read this and we think, well, you know, that's for them to eat and drink. But, yeah, not just that, though. You see, it goes on. It goes on to refresh your soul, your soul. You ever wonder why God made the world so pretty? You ever wonder why God made you with senses? 
all these, you know, abilities to hear and to smell and to see and to touch and to feel, right? You ever wonder that? You ever wonder why God made everything in the world first and then made you? It's because he made it for you to experience, to enjoy, to just love and live the life that he created to experience the beauty of this world. Look, that is good for your soul. Philippians 4, eight says this, in conclusion, my friends, fill your minds with those things that are good and that deserve praise, things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and honorable. Wow, such a great verse. Fill your minds. Don't fill your minds with this other stuff. Every single day of your life, every moment that you're awake, you need to make sure that you're filling your minds with good stuff. Rick Warren says this, whatever you give your attention to can either raise or lower your stress. Isn't that true? What it, Whatever that you give your attention to will either do one of two things. It will either raise or lower your stress. Now, look, some, some things we just can't help, right? Like, you know, you might have a stressful job, and it just that's what it is. Why not offset that a little bit with filling your mind with good things that will help with that stress? You know, good things. Um, go outside. Go on a walk. Go on a hike. Go fishing. Enjoy nature a little bit. Enjoy God's creation. Plant a garden. Mow some grass. Draw a picture. Listen to music. Play music. Sing if you like singing. Now, some of you think that diesel engines and carburetors are beautiful. Hey, go tinker with that stuff. You know, whatever you think is good and fills and recharges your soul dwell on those things fill your mind with those things the more good that you pull into your life that way the less stress that you will have next thing if i want to go from stress to blessed i need to allow god to be my god not um bff right not mom or dad not uh best friend co-worker that I think may be a Christian, but I'm not sure, right? No, you, you need to allow God to be your God. Have you ever felt like you just you just don't know what to do? You're not sure. You're faced with a decision or whatever, and you're not sure what to do. Look, don't that cause a certain level of stress? I know it does for me. I know it does for me, like especially like today. You know, do we cancel? Do we do we have one service? Do we do we just gung ho and just say, hey, we're going at it, no matter what? You know, that causes me a certain causes me a certain level of stress. Maybe you're like that. Um and and you're a leader and or, or you're responsible for making decisions that affect other people. You feel that, don't you? You know? Um it causes a certain level of stress. I know we all are faced with decisions uh for our own lives and for our families. Um you need to allow God to guide you, folks. Why is that? Well, he's our shepherd, but he knows the way he knows the way he knows the right path that you should take he knows the right decisions that you should make uh, the rest of verse 3 says this he guides me 
along the right path for his name's sake. I like that. I love that, actually. You know, God doesn't want you to make the wrong decision, right? He's, he's got a lot on the line for your life. He actually wants you to succeed and wants you to fulfill his purpose in your life. So he does not want you to make the wrong decision for his name's sake. He wants to guide you in the right path. When sheep were being moved from one location to, to the next, right? This is how you just did it. You, you, you would move your, your sheep from one location to the next so they could graze. Um, a shepherd would always be out in front. Always. Otherwise, they wouldn't go anywhere. They wouldn't move. You'd have to have the shepherd to start and to walk, and then the sheep would see that, and they would go in stride, step for step for step, and they would follow the shepherd. You know, when you allow God to guide your life, he will never lead you in the wrong direction. I promise you that. Never. He will always lead you along the right path. So when you don't know what to do, which is a lot if you're like me, um, you allow God to guide you. And you do that through prayer, you know, through speaking and talking to God. God, I'm, I got this decision. I'm not sure what to do about this. God, help me, right? You do that through prayer. You also do that through God's word. We need to be in God's word. It actually says your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So if I don't know which way to go, God's word is a light to your path. It shows you. But what about the times when it don't, all right? You know, there's times when, when the answer isn't always in black and white and red. You know what I mean? And you're kind of left there hanging. What do you do? You know, when it's times like that, when those times come, God wants you to use wisdom. He wants you to use wisdom. And if, if that kind of scares you, he says, just ask me. Look at, um, lost my place. James 1.17, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. You see that? Who gives generously to all without finding fault. You ask and it will be given to you. God always gives wisdom when you ask, always. And wisdom is something that you need when you don't know what to do. Are you struggling with a decision today? You know, maybe you've been struggling with a decision for a long time and you just put it off and you, you still don't know what to do. Ask God for wisdom and then here's going to be the challenging part. You ask God for wisdom and then you wait. You, you wait. Wait for the wisdom to come. If it still doesn't come, you wait and then you work through it. I know some decisions are, you know, you have to, are a deadline. Um, you work through it the best way you can. But you ask God for wisdom nonetheless, and you wait. You wait. And through that, you allow him to be your guide, and he always leads you in the right direction. Next thing, I can definitely get rid of some stress if I trust God in my dark valleys. If I trust God in, in, in my dark valleys. Well, look, we're all going through a dark valley right now. And maybe before this even started, maybe you were going through a dark valley. Maybe you're going through this on, in several extra dark valleys. It's important that we realize and remember who God actually is. That he's sovereign. And he's your shepherd. And you won't need anything. He'll take care of you. And we need to trust God in our 
dark valleys, verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley. I love, love that because it brings me comfort to know that here's David saying, Lord, I hope I don't face a dark valley. Or God, to keep that dark valley from coming to me. And David said, look, even though I'm in it, even though it's here, even though like, I am in the worst place in the world, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. That's so good. You know, another translation calls the darkest valley the valley of the shadow of death. Don't you feel like we're in a big shadow of death right now? I mean, literally, there's lots of people dying, and the rest of us just have that fear of death kind of hanging over us. It's like a shadow. And God doesn't want us to live that way in, in fear. The scripture teaches us that Jesus took the sting out of death. You know, we shouldn't we shouldn't let that affect us to the point where it's a, it's affecting our purpose in life. The thing is, God's always with you through the valley. He's with you. You you have the shepherd with you. David was comforted in knowing that God was with him no matter what. And look, the presence of the shepherd should bring comfort, should bring the stress down, should, should bring the fear down. When I know the shepherd's in the room, when the father's in the house, I'm going to be okay. It's okay. When we walk through those dark valleys, it's important that we don't stay focused on the darkness some of you are so wrapped up into this thing, it's all you talk about. Every single, almost every single text message that I get is this, 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 and this, and it's the same thing. And look, I'm more than happy to, to pray it out, whatever. But you're going to have to shift your thinking. You're going to have to renew your mind in order to be transformed. Or this, you will stay in this dark valley for a long time. When we go through the dark valleys, look, we are not alone. Here's what I want you to do. Don't focus on the darkness of the valley. Focus on the presence of the shepherd. Okay? Focus on the fact that God is with you. Here's the thing. You can't have a shadow without light. You can't. Focus on the light. Focus on God. Exactly the same thing happened with Peter in this storm. When he was in the boat, Jesus said, come to me. Peter started. Then what did he do? started focusing on the storm, on the darkness, and he began to sink. But when he started focusing on God, on Jesus, he rose up. He rose up. You want to be transformed this year. You rise up. You focus on the Lord. Don't focus on the valley of the shadow where that's where you'll stay. That's where you'll stay. Next thing, we need to let God be your defender. Anybody ever been um, hurt by someone or attacked by someone? Or maybe someone's out to get you right now. Um, there's a lot of negativity out there, right? A lot of animosity, a lot of anger, a lot of rude people, a lot of mean people out there. And I just look at it and I'm like, man, it just breaks my heart. You know, God created us to bear his image and here's people just being so mean to each other. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? 
you know, if, if you, look, I'll just be honest. If you handle it the wrong way, it doesn't work out well for you. If you handle it the wrong way, it just increases stress. How many of you, look, how many of you have watched the news or have seen something on social media and you can feel it? Like you just don't see it or read it, but you feel it, right? That's not good. That's not good. Instead, here's what I want you to do. Let God be your defender. Let God deal with the mess. Let God take care of your enemies. Let God deal with those mean people because he will. Let him be your defender. David learned this very early on in the kingdom of Israel. When he first started, everyone was against him. And really, um, a whole lot of people were against him his whole kingship. But remember when Saul was kind of looking for David and trying to, trying to kill him? You know, not once did David try to fight back, even though he was a great warrior, you know, killed, killed some wild animals, right, killed Goliath and stuff like that. And David knew that, you know, Saul was God's king at the time. He knew that God was going to take care of things. And I love the way he says this here, verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Look, David is saying here that even though there's people out there that don't like me, that are out to get me, that want to attack me, that want to bring me down, look, I'm not going to worry about it. This right here, you know what he's doing? He's chilling out. He's relaxed. You know where he's at? At the table. He's God's laid out a spread for him, and he's just relaxed. And, you know, part of relaxing at the table is they would come in and, and, and they would anoint your head with oil, and, oh, it would feel so good. I, oil would feel good on my head right now, all right? It's a little chapped because of the coldness. I would love to have some oil on my head. But, you know, you're relaxed at the table. You, you're enjoying a good time. You're enjoying fellowship. You're enjoying food. You're, you know, you're, you're drinking a little bit, uh, non-alcoholic red wine, right? Um, You're having, you're just, you're not worried about anything. And on top of that, God is anointing your head with oil. He's making you feel good. He's relaxing you. And to the point where your cup's actually like spilling over on the tablecloth. Like Like that's how, and where is this taking place? In the presence of my enemies. Come on now. Look, let God be your defender. It works out so much better for who? For you. For you. You want your cup to overflow? You let him take care of it. Don't, don't, if you take the bait, you're only stooping to their level. Right? If you let God be your defender, you let them sort of go down and down and down and you rise up and up and up. That's what happens. That's what happens. Let God be your defender. Um, Don't let other people ruin your life. God wants a much better life for you. He does. Well, the final way that we can go from stressed to blessed is this. Expect God to bring the good. Expect God to bring the good. Not a whole lot of good news out there right now. It's hard to find. Wish they had a good news network right? So much negativity, you know, and and when you look at the days ahead, when you look at the future, when you look at the next few months and next few years, what does the future look like for you? 
What are you telling people? How are you feeling about that? Right? Does it look bleak or bright? You see how it's so easy to get caught up in all that? When this person over here is saying, look, we're going downhill. Like, our future does not look good here, right? We're in those conversations all the time. And you can either get caught up in it or you can renew your mind. And you can take what God's word says for truth and know that there's no bad news that can overcome the good news of Jesus. None. None. You can also say that, God, I know that you have made a place for me in heaven. Right? We just went through a, a series on heaven. Your future is actually pretty bright. It is. Um, there's a lot of people out there that are um, not sure, uncertain, and they start doing this. They start saying, what if? They start playing these scenarios in their head. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this goes downhill, right? What if this collapses? What if? You know, you can what if yourself to death. Let me ask you this. What if, what if you took the truth of God's word and lived it out? The truth that says your life is good, your future is good. Verse 6 says this, surely did I say maybe? What, possibly? You know, surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Isn't that good? To know that no matter what I'm facing, I know because God is promising me this, that goodness is going to follow me every single day of my life here. And not only that, look, I've got a future to look forward to. I am going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is good news. Let's start renewing our minds to stop thinking about bad news all the time because you'll live there. You will live there and you will stay there. No, we have good news. God wants good for your life. He's got a good plan for you. And look, when this life is over, it gets even better. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain, is what Paul said. God wants good for you now, and you are going to a much better place forever, for eternity. Look, let's start, let's start lifting our heads up. Let's start being people of joy and love and knowing that God has blessed us and has brought us goodness, not only today, but forever. Um, I want to ask Bob to come up. As Bob's going to play, we're going to close out <clears throat> with this uh, section of Scripture here, Matthew chapter 11. This is Jesus talking here. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't that good? You know, a yoke is uh, an apparatus that is placed on an animal. 
um, a mule, donkey, or horse, cow, but it had two sides, all right, two, two sides here. And what Jesus is saying, you know, you come to me, and I will help you. I will be on this side. And you come to me, and I'll take the load off of you. Some of you this morning are just in that yoke by yourself, and you're trying to carry it. You know, this isn't just a salvation experience verse. This is an everyday verse. Sometimes you need to just come to Jesus. Say, God, I'm weary. I'm burdened. I'm stressed out. I need you. Come into my life. Come into my this yoke that I'm carrying. Come in and lift it up, up off of me. I need you. Let's bow. I just want you to spend a moment in prayer between you and God, between you and the Lord. And if you need to come to Jesus today, tell him. You seek him, he says here, you will find rest for your souls. God, today, so many of us are just stressed out. Father, we need a weight lifted up off of us. And today, I pray that we give that to you. I pray that we would take these truths found in David's psalm and just not only connect with them, but just apply them to our lives. We need to understand that you don't want us to live a life of stress. You've, you've given us your son, Jesus, so that we could have new life, so that we could live this life on purpose for you, so that we could be a part of your plans for this world. And for that, you need us at our best. Father, help us just to have the same attitude as your son, Jesus, who was humble, but also admitted his need for you to carry out his ministry. That's how close he was to you. Help us to just lean on you and invite you into our lives each and every day. Father, give us the strength, give us the wisdom just to transfer our problems and our weight from us to you. If there's someone here today or someone listening that has never had a relationship with you. Father, I pray right now that they would realize that there's nothing they need to do other than profess their faith in you. You've already died on the cross for their sin. You've already risen from the grave so that they could have a new life. I pray that today would be the day that they would make you their Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you all for coming out today. Uh, I don't know if